0: Come on.
1: they're right there let's go move, move 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 this episode of choices not chances podcast
0: is sponsored by louisiana gun shop located on highway 90 west in broussard louisiana just south of lafayette For more information, stay tuned at the end of this episode.
2: This is Choices, Not Chances podcast with Ryan and Matt.
0: I'm your co-host, Matthew Charette. Sitting next to me is Ryan Rogers. Ryan. All right, guys. Hey, thanks and come. Thanks for coming back. And just like every other episode, if you see anything in this episode that resonates with you that you think needs to be shared out to the greater audience, and I'm talking about our law enforcement community, I'm talking about our military community, and I'm talking about our military family communities. Today, I'm bringing on a, a guest that's special to me, and it might not be special to anybody else, but it is to me because it— This man, uh, Dave Grossman, Lieutenant Colonel, retired Dave Grossman, uh, author of many books, but notably on combat and on killing, both which were on the um, commandant's reading list for the Marine Corps as I was coming up as a junior uh, NCO through the ranks. And they were required readings because of the uh, depth in which they go into the art of killing and the art of combat. And, um, and so somebody that I've been trying to get on for, uh, in my mind for a lot longer, but it seemed to be pretty easy. I picked up the, picked up the phone, picked up an email and, and, um, uh, Mr. Grossman's been, uh been generous enough with his time to meet me, you know, here on a Monday morning and, and have a little chat. But um, I hope you guys stay tuned for this whole episode. Uh, it, it's sure to bring content that if you're in the communities that I listed before will absolutely be impactful to you. Uh, so without further ado, Mr. Grossman, Mr. Dave Grossman, thanks for coming on.
2: Oh, well, Ryan. It's my pleasure, brother. And again, just Dave. But uh, you know what? Uh, I'm right up front. I always try to honor the podcast process. You know when i was a kid we had three tv networks you know and uh, half a dozen national magazines uh, a couple of radio stations and and if you, you didn't get on them your voice never got hurt
1: mm.
2: you know but now we've got the podcast revolution and people and you know i've been on 60 minutes in 2020 and it was a total waste of time mm-hmm. you know three minute soundbite and they controlled what was said uh but the podcast revolution it represents people seeking deeper knowledge mm. and the podcast providers. Now you're not doing this for money. You're not doing this. It'd be great to make a living off of it. Everybody deserves to, but you're doing this because you got a voice that needs to be said. It's kind of like a, uh, and and you know, the, the newspaper, you know, tomorrow it was, you know, it's, it's birdcage liner, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, but these podcasts will still be a hundred years from now. Mm. You'll say you know what was it like for ryan in the trenches you know what was it like to be in combat and they go back and make a track on that so i honor those who put their effort into doing these podcasts and i honor those who listen and are seeking deeper levels of knowledge it's been a lot of fun and we live in a crazy world to tie <laughs> on the that you mentioned my books in almost every single case really without fail in all of my books the audio books and i do the narration for my my own books, the audio books are outselling any other version of the book. Mm-hmm. So people are going and they're, you know, they're working, they're driving a truck, they're working in a factory, but they got the earbud in, and they're listening, mm-hmm. and they're learning, mm-hmm. and they're expanding their horizons while they go about their life. So Absolutely. it's a beautiful thing, it's a good thing, and uh, my hat goes off to you, working hard to put this together. I'm pleased to be a service to the wonderful audience and uh, talk about your book. and. Uh, you follow on books, and what I've got going on is books. And uh, and I tell people, we live in a time with this room for lots of books. Mm. Uh, you know, Even if your grandkids are the only ones ever read it, write, write that book. And the book mm-hmm. writing process is healing and powerful all by itself. We don't, the, the book has a mind of its own. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, following that path, and there's a path to healing and, and a path to knowledge in there. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I'd like to echo what you said about the podcast process. I'm a part, I'm a host of a podcast that I started because of how much, uh, I get out of podcasts out of others podcasts. Um, and I, I, I frequently tell people that in the time that, you know, I was going to school to get my degrees, um, all I did was podcast. I podcast and I did homework and research. And then I podcast, you know, while doing homework and research. And then the three years that it took me to get my and get my degrees, <laughs> I learned more from watching Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, Jocko Willink, uh, than I ever thought about retaining learning and retaining from the university. Now, there's reasons why that is. There's a whole a whole lot broader of you know, topics that, that those podcasts are going to have on them than, than just my homeland security degree, let's say. However, like I found, I found that by listening to um, these, these hosts interview these other experts, I could become smarter just by listening to the conversation. Right. And that's essentially what reading is reading is, I'm going to read your experiences that you put down for me, and podcast is just talking experiences. So it's it's a beautiful thing, and and when I got caught up in 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 learning as much as I was learning, I was like, I've got to be a part of this. This is going to be the way. And so, you know, Jocko's doing Navy SEAL stories and some SOCOM stories, and you know, some of these other guys are doing. Nobody was doing Marine stories, and and I was there for a lot of it, you know. So it was like I. I know all of these heroes that live in this local area. I know them. I served with them right alongside most of them. Um, And so I started bringing them on and then it just became this thing where it's like, it's not just people of service. It's people that are giving back and have that voice and have that knowledge. That's what I want to bring to the table. And, uh, and your name, obviously on the short list for that, um, being, you know, your books have definitely helped, uh, helped me in the past. and, And I know helped, uh, Countless other war fighters, um, so so yeah. The podcasting thing is a big thing, and it's a it's a quick, um, easy way to get information out to people who want the information um growing it and and such is uh is a topic for another another day you know there's the business side of that but actually sitting down you know not not a lot of people just sit down and have an intimate two or three hour conversation with somebody like you said they're 30 second sound bites and that's what we get to vote on and that's what we get to think on and that's what our fast hyper uh paced world is and and so i enjoy sitting back and actually diving and pulling those those strings out and saying let's get to the root of you know the topic of conversation another reason sir that um that i wanted to have you on and we can get to it i have a couple questions uh from guests but um over the last period of three years i started teaching uh critical intervention training with with the police um i started you know Started up in Ohio, and now it started to branch, uh, branch out a little bit from there. Um, but coming off of uh, you know twenty years of war, I would I would be interested to pick your brain a bit on critical intervention and the need for it in our forces, um, especially our our police forces. Um, essentially, what I try to tell these guys is. You know, there's a there's a vast number of veterans that have been over and done combat in some capacity. That doesn't mean they necessarily were stacking bodies. I'm not saying that, but it does mean that they were in combat at some capacity. And when they come back, people deal with that in different ways. There's medications. There's self medications. There's no medications. Um, and people deal with that. And when you come up with against those situations as a day-to-day cop what were, what are a couple of pieces of advice that you would throw out uh um rudimentary or basic pieces of advices uh that, that you would give for critical intervention
2: well you know there's a couple of angles first uh, is it's kind of a common frame of reference uh my books especially on combat you know if you're going to read one book during the pandemic on combat became a mega bestseller in the medical community mm. And, you know, one I've been on a couple of major medical podcasts and one guy said, you know, the the, the stress of, of an individual in combat is pretty much the same as the stress of a doctor in the middle of a pandemic with people dying all around him, you know, making life and death decisions.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But second, just to give a, a little piece of information in there, um, it, it's kind of a first off, it's kind of a decision tree that i teach. And the first question is. Are you okay? If the answer is yes. Then the answer is "Eh, I'm glad you're okay. You know, if the answer is no. Then 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 something opens up here. Uh And uh, sometimes it's obvious the answer is no. And you go right into this. But there's three questions. I'm the kind of guy that likes to take incredibly complex things and distill it down to usable chunks. You know, I'm an old buck sergeant from Arkansas. You know, they're just that, that an old buck can pick up and run with.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, a lady wrote this and it's been embraced as de-escalation, it's been embraced everywhere. But the lady called it the three most important questions you'll ever ask. Number one, please tell me what's wrong. Oh, somebody wants to hear my story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somebody wants to know. Mm-hmm. Endorphins are pumping, we got this common form of reference. Number two, I'm sorry that happened. It's true. I mean, whatever his situation is, whatever's happened to this person, you can truthfully say, you know I'm sorry that happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and then the, the final one is, I will do everything in my power to help you. But
1: mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. so just, you know, please tell me what's wrong. I'm sorry that happened. I would do everything in my power to help you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and that just cuts right to the heart of the matter. You know, my my wife's got some medical issues. You know, while back, I said, sweetie, please tell me exactly what's wrong. She said, thank you for asking. You know, and uh, I'm I'm so sorry this is happening to you. You know, the one place where we'll break the bank and empty the savings, the one place where we'll, we'll, whatever it takes is your wellness. We'll do everything in our power to help. Mm -hmm. My little Mm -hmm. granddaughter comes in crying. Oh, sweetie, tell grandpa what's the matter? You know, I'm sorry that happened do everything we can to make sure that doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. So it's so much of life is about, you know, having it, you know, a, you know, a situation, mission, execution, service, support, command and signal. <laughs> the, the basic operator right? has been ground into our neurons from our youngest age, you know, yep. completing procedures, backward planning process. We do it without even thinking. So put this one more little tool in your uh, in, in your in your, your toolbox. And, and, and as we push the envelope, of the healing process, so much is about separating the memory from the emotions. You know, in a nutshell, PTSD, every time you talk about it, you relive it. Mm-hmm. We want to separate the memory from the emotions, we want to talk about it without reliving it. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprogramming, your eyes follow a visual stimulus while you talk about it. Well, the midbrain, you know, that, that puppy inside. It uh, can only do one thing at a time.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Ordinarily, you talk about it, and the puppy crawls in your lap and pees in your lap and grabs you by the throat, you know. But the puppy's out front chasing a ball. You know, that midbrain is, is busy right now. He's, he's following that visual stimulus.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And you're able to talk about it if it's done properly. And you can't just wing this stuff. Get mm-hmm. trained up at EMDR. If it's done properly, and just one or two times going over the memory without the emotions come along for a ride, we can separate that link
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, i talk to my cops i said you know you're doing a you, and, and and the tool we use is a bottle of water you put a bottle of water in front of them and every time they start become emotional stop mm-hmm. <sighs> take that big swig of water and that swig of water calls you from sympathetic nervous system fight or flight the parasympathetic nervous system rest and digest also mm-hmm. called feed and breed
1: mm-hmm, so we mm-hmm. pull
2: ourselves from fight or flight to feed and breed with just that that swig of water you know a deer's being chased by a wolf he stop me to drink he's really thirsty i can't get a drink i'm being chased by a wolf the, the fact that you stop you take that drink of water the water hits the stomach the swallowing process the breathing process it sends a powerful message to the body that says we're safe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i tell my cops let's say you're getting a witness statement from a victim of a crime if that individual becomes emotional while they talk about what happened then then something counterproductive is happening they're they're reinforcing the link between the memory and the emotion Mm -hmm. but you put a bottle of water in front of them just the power of a gift you put a bottle of water in front of them and every time they start to become emotional a you're getting the calm rational statement that you need the witness statement right b they're moving down the path of wellness from the very beginning they separating the memory from the emotion so your whole de-escalation thing is is powerful but remember we're trying to pull them from fight or flight synthetic nervous system to rest and digest parasympathetic and there's a tool that's being used uh, uh across the medical community now a uh, I, I trained one spec opportunist, the master sergeant that was my host. Mm-hmm. His wife was an emergency room psychiatrist, an ER psychiatrist. And she told him about something sweeping through the ER world, the emergency room world around the planet. You got a crackhead, a meth head, you got somebody tearing up your ER out of control. Mm-hmm. You know what they do? They grab a bag of M&M's, they rip it open, they shove the guy's face, which like some MMs. And a large portion of the time, completely diffuse the situation. Huh. Now, the guy telling me this, right, he's a spec ops guy, multiple combat tours. He said, I blew it off, right? You mm-hmm, know, touch mm-hmm. the healing, stuff, right? Bag of it. Yeah, sure. But so this kind of guy carries gun off duty, kind of guy you want him to. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: See, two different times, I'm off duty, I'm, I'm armed, I'm with my wife, and I think I'm going to have to draw my gun and fight for our lives. He said, both times, my wife reaches in her purse, grabs a bag of M&Ms, rips it open, shoves the guy's face, would you like some M&Ms, and completely defuse the situation. Now, it's really important to understand something. Now, after a traumatic event, you re-experience the event. A smell sets it off, a sound sets it off. That is not PTSD. Mm-hmm. It's normal. Mm-hmm. It becomes PTSD when you try to not think about it. Mm -hmm. You will literally drive yourself crazy trying to not think about it. You got to make peace with the memory. You got to separate the memory from the emotion. And that brings us back to the book process. You wrote a very powerful book with a gripping first person narrative about the reality of combat. And and those, the, the things you dug into are really rare throughout history. Uh, and we've, we've opened the door now where people can do that but that's part of the healing process mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to take this memory and turn it into sterile words and sentences you know the process of crafting a sentence you you, you can't be excited and and fearful your heart pounding yeah, over time you just get bored mm-hmm. you know you it becomes a very intellectual process and so, part of the healing is uh, artwork, right? Taking that incident and turning it into lines and, and shades, you know. Uh, uh, artwork, it, it, the same thing is true, and, and more so, I believe, with the, the written word, turning it into a book is part of the healing process.
0: Mm. So,
2: you're kind of, I mean, such a great opportunity for me to get another step in that process. How was the healing process for you? as you wrote your book could you see yourself coming from i don't want to go there i don't want to talk about that i don't want to think about that but thinking about it and thinking and thinking and thinking and it definitely was therapeutic the it yeah, was
0: definitely therapeutic in that way um you know i started writing notes in country in 2010 and like a write in the rain you know mission book i you know i'd scribble down um, words, and yeah, you know, I got to remember this, and I'd put a you know a thought down, and then when I came home, um, I I struggled really hard uh, for a couple years, and um, you know, drank, and and none of that was working, and like you said, I needed to talk, and I didn't know that at the time, and maybe it's the uh, marine corps i grew up in that we just don't do that we just drink and everything will be okay afterwards and and maybe not i'm trying to break that stigma now because i know that it doesn't work from experience um and i know that the talking does but once i started talking uh, i think i realized um the the therapy that was in it um at first it was to doctors you know at first it was to friends we would just reminisce and emotions would come out but they weren't always bad emotions sometimes they were happy and positive in that brotherhood and you know um you know when you're when you're in a place where um yeah when you're in a place where things are just bad all over the place and and you know hearing the snap of an incoming bullet is just as relieving as it is unnerving because you know it wasn't the thud that got you um, those are weird places to go, and they come with weird emotions, sometimes happy, sometimes funny. Um, and it's hard to explain unless you've been there. But as I started to write uh, or talk, I began to be able to formulate my language and how I wanted to um, present the book and present the Marines and what they did, what I experienced. And so the more that moved along, and don't get me wrong, I was in, I, I, I did some time in inpatient treatment to get my head right you know, as my kids were being born and this was not a smooth, easy process, but it was a necessary process to get to a place where AI could tell the story, but not only tell the story, but but do justice to the Marines actions in the story and not miss and skip, you know, cause a lot of, you know, a lot of what you talk about non-combat um, with auditory and visual exclusion and complete memory loss of things that happened, their temporary amnesia. I'm not sure what, you know, uh, factors play into that other than, you know, you have a file cabinet and when something traumatic comes up, I think it's almost this self-defense mechanism to misfile all of that so that you can't bleed it all together and hurt yourself because they know that it's going to hurt you. Um, and then we spend a lifetime after combat trying to bleed all that back together so we can tell it properly. Um, um, but, but in saying that, I would say that, um, writing has become my biggest therapy uh i've only written one book but i have written many papers and many you know research just for myself for other books and 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 writing other people's stories um it really helps to um to put language to thought i mean that's that's a therapeutic thing in itself i've found so
2: and you know before we lose that kind of uh before we move on from that topic i i like to tell my audience there's great Power, in talking over a beer. <laughs> you know, whiskey's made for sipping, wine's made for sipping, beer is made for gulping. That you oh, know, you quaff a beer, you know, you, you <laughs> sip the whiskey, but but uh, you know you're talking over beer with friends, and you start to become emotional, you start to lose it. What do you do? Stop, big swig of beer, regain control, and keep talking. Mm-hmm. You know, physiologically speaking, psychologically speaking. Just about the best thing you could possibly do until you get drunk. <laughs> then it gets counterproductive. Yeah. You know?
0: Then there's but, diminishing uh, returns. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great term. Yeah? <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, but and, and it's funny. This is the first war we have ever fought without alcohol.
1: <laughs>
2: you know, and it's you know this this idea that uh, you know everybody gathers uh, has a beer and talks about what happened. It's it's been kind of taken away and. And there may be an upside to that, but I, don't, I, I think in, in retrospect, I think we lost something. We lost something pretty important. And, uh, uh, and so we can regain that and sit down over beer with friends or whatever your brew of choice might be.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, that idea of, you know, that big swig of beer and regain control and keep talking it's, uh, uh, is, is really a value. And throughout human history, we took the nights off. You know, we 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 did. It wasn't until you know, like World War One, we began to have large quantities of night combat. Mm -hmm. In the Civil War, you know, just a generation before World War One, generation or two, you know, they almost never fought at night. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. at night we turned off. We all gather around the campfire. We fix our meals and we talk. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And and again, one of the healthiest things you could possibly do. We've kind of lost that, but. uh, uh, this business of talking over a meal in the end is, is one of the valuable things we can do. In the Swallowing and eating is, brings you in that, that rest and digest mode versus fight or flight mode and that, that healing dynamic. So, mm-hmm. uh, gather around that beer, gather around that meal, break bed together, talk about what happened. And anytime somebody becomes emotional, stop, take a swig of beer, regain control. You know, that's the goal of the mission. That's what we want people to do. And that's right. You know, live in a time of this room for lots of books. Yeah. You, you know, Amazon, you can self-publish. Maybe your grandkids and your friends do your own self-reading order. Write that book. You'll be glad you did. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and like, um, I heard a lot of people say, well, this book's just echoing that book. And that book's just echoing that book. It's, it's like yeah but god god forbid we all get more dangerous off the same information over time right and oh. uh, and that's not my quote i stole that oh. one but yeah. but it's so true it's so true and um and if i can interpret it if i can interpret my experience just one iota different than somebody else that's written it down then that's one yes. difference yes. that yes. somebody else can learn from
2: right uh, that's what i said it's the heart of it all you know my uh, my my the whole process of my my work on killing on combat now we got the book on hunting coming out in march uh i've got a book on sleep coming down the road but that uh, every time somebody gives me a first person narrative there's almost always some little aspect in there that's new mm. and and everybody has a piece of the puzzle and we can never solve the puzzle until <laughs> we put all the pieces together Yep. So no, that that story of yours, it may be almost exactly like some other story, but the one little part that it wasn't is a value mm-hmm. and, or or the fact that it was is a value. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I was uh, I went to a, a thing when real high end uh, shooting school and they had a, a world champion shooter who trained some of our tier one spec ops guys and I talked about, you know, making headshots and and he said well you'll, you'll never make a headshot in combat in real life you'll never do that that's all a lie. well why Oh, one one of these delta force guys tell me he doesn't try to do headshots anymore their heads are always moving and and people will naturally avoid it you know but there's some freaking science <laughs> there's some science i mean so one guy tells you this was it rifle shots at 100 yards was it was it rifle at 20 yards was it pistol at five yards and mm-hmm. I, i've interviewed no exaggeration i have interviewed thousands of people who have been in combat hundreds in, in writing on killing and then i retired in you know in 98 and 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 every day when i'm presenting during a break somebody comes up and shares their story with me. they stay with me over mm-hmm. lunch mm-hmm. share this story with me And I'll give you case after case after case where the battle is ended with headshots. I'm a I'm a pistol shooter. It's my hobby, the martial art of the firearm. And and I'll give you case after case where you empty the magazine of a pistol into the body and they're still fighting. Mm -hmm. You get one headshot and the fight's over. Gone. And if you're fighting with pistols and if you're reasonably close range, and if you're good and I'm good and you know you're good, people out there that are really good, boom, go straight for the headshot. It's a showstopper. It's game over. Empty, um, there's a good chance in this day and age that body armor, even if they don't, the torso can suck up enormous number of rounds. Unless you happen to split that spinal cord, you know, you could blow out the heart and they still got like six, seven seconds to empty. Oh, yeah. That's something I
0: learned in combat, like, uh, it's not like the movies. You can shoot somebody Uh many, many times, especially with a small five five six Uh ball round. Pointed yeah. projectiles, blow, it's going straight through them before their body even. You know, like you said, if you catch a you catch a vital organ, you catch a bone. That's one yeah. thing, but if you zip them and they're through yeah. and
2: through, yeah. And and, and then the, more so with a pistol. That's so do right. Some freaking science, you know. Interview a bunch of people, mm. ask the same question of a bunch of people, mm. and that's really what 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 you do with your book. Your even if it's just your personal story, it's enormously valuable as one data point. Yep. But when you combine all those data points together, now you got science. <laughs> you know? That's right. And, and you're making your contribution, and, and and taking this is my little piece of the puzzle. Uh, I wrote my book on killing. I wrote my book on combat. Generally, before the war, uh, you know, most of what I drew from was before the the uh, the twenty year war. Twenty one years now, we're still in Iraq, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and and those. First-person narratives were incredibly rare and precious. I mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. seeking them out and bring them together. My One of my most recent books is, is on spiritual combat. Mm-hmm. And in the end, you know, it's got a spiritual angle to it all, and everybody who takes that angle has got something to give us as well. You know, so take all those directions. You know, the new book I've got coming out, On Hunting, out in uh, March of, uh, of, uh, of
0: 2023.
2: Okay. We, uh, you know, like, I, I'll i give you an example of, of the thought process on, on, on hunting. Uh, if, if you think of mankind, our existence, you know, if you think from an evolutionary standpoint, we try to respect all standpoints, but if, if our species has existed for 24 hours, up until the last six minutes, all we did was hunt.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: we were hunter-gatherers it's who we are it's mm-hmm. what we do it's what we were created to do evolved to do mm-hmm. and so think about auditory exclusion the shots get muted in combat where the hell did that come from well here's here's my working theory if anybody has a better theory let me know but in, in nature if, if we we have in our mouth we have the chisel teeth of a run like hell rabbit
1: mm-hmm.
2: we have the grinding molars of a i just have to to outrun the slowest person in the herd grass eater and we have the gripping fangs of a, of a of a predator inside our we have been throughout human history we've been in the middle of the food chain you know the uh, records from india say between 1900 and 1910 over a hundred thousand people were killed by tigers in india you know and th- that was you know what just you know just within you know barely within living memory mm-hmm. so this um this idea of being in the middle of the food chain it's no fun to be pre- prey we want to be predator mm-hmm. there's joy in being the predator and and so studying the hunting process auditory exclusion the shots get muted most hunters will tell you they don't hear the shot their ears don't ring you are still getting hearing loss the shutouts in the nerve wear hearing protection when you hunt or be a old, he's like it's a pain in the butt Yep. Where in the hell did that come from? What what use? What survival purpose did it have, in the untold thousands of years before we invented gunpowder? And, and I I think there's only one possible answer. Answer: Almost all predators use sound as a weapon. The wolves bark. The the the, the lions roar. Mm-hmm. The tigers roar. Uh, almost all predators use sound as a weapon. Now when you're running. Tuning out the sound has no value. Uh, but if you're holding a spear point and you want that guy to, you know, to land on your spear and you've got to be steady and you've got to... The, the, the lion's roar is really the top of the roar weapon. It's a multi-harmonic, powerful tool to stun you, to paralyze you, to shut you down.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So being able to tune out that roar would be a survival mechanism. So you know that the next I've got this tryout of books. You can't understand combat. You can't understand killing until you understand hunting. Mm. And they all come in together. So you see that you know that the the joy of tying these things together and taking that next book. I know you've got a. A follow-on book you're you're thinking about. Kind of share some of the thoughts on how your follow-on book is going. What do you think?
0: Uh, It's going good. Um, I got a couple in the works right now, but one that I'm specifically working on covers Afghanistan, uh, covers the withdrawal, HKIA, end of the 20-year war, and then, you know, some skin that I had in that game. Um, Somebody that was near and dear to me that got stuck. Um, And then, you know, subsequently his year-long battle to get out of a war-torn country after
2: this was your translator
0: that's yeah this was uh yes my translator i've i've had him on the show once um and we've done countless interviews over the phone and and research together but um um you know i wanted to show what a you know a nation of patriots afghanistan stood up in a time when we needed them um regardless of how the end uh panned out and it wasn't great but that doesn't mean there weren't great patriots of that country that stood up to fight you know for something better for for the next generation and that needs to be told if they're ever going to sustain the light um and so I'm having fun I'm learning a lot um working through that book I'm learning uh far more than I ever even anticipated learning which is great and you know how it goes when a book just kind of starts to take its own form yes. uh yes. and point in a direction that maybe you didn't see coming so that's that's kind of what uh what i've got going on with that but um but um uh, so I'm, I'm gonna shift gears on you right here sure, um sure. i also had lieutenant colonel retired wayne phelps Uh, on the show and I I originally had reached out to you you put me in touch with Wayne or somebody from your team put me in touch with Wayne I had Wayne on and it was a wealth of information covering on killing uh, the psychology of killing with drones and um, I, I just had a couple of things that I wanted to pick your mind about because in going through on combat and on killing you would almost whittle down to say that our cognitive distance to the killing is our physical distance to the killing but that's just not the case anymore is it
2: oh well, no and i would you like know,
0: to know your thoughts on that
2: you know Wayne. when you know i, I was co-author with wayne on the book uh, on killing remotely and then the final product was 95 percent his you know and you know, we just put his name on it but i was proud to have been able to contribute to it i think it's one of the great contributors to this cycle you know and uh, uh and we talk about how when you kill with a drone and the sniper is similar. You know, it's like sniper of tremendous scope.
0: Are you talking out. about because of loitering time?
2: Yeah, yeah, and
0: observation when, time. The
2: Sniper is watching and observing and watching and then whacks them and then sees the follow on. Well, it's even more so with the uh, uh, with the, the drone, the you know, the predator, the reaper, and we're we'll whacking somebody with a hellfire missile. You know, we the fires of hell, we mm-hmm. make a religious statement. Every time we whack them, we don't even get it. They get it, so mm-hmm. they're mad. But until uh, so we whack them with a hellfire missile. So what they do is they follow this guy for days. Mm-hmm. It's what they call pattern of life. Mm-hmm. They follow this individual for days. They become familiar with their life and their family and their interactions. We watch them in detail and then we find a time when they're alone and then we kill them and then we watch the aftermath. Is a the family comes out and picks up the pieces and puts them in a wheelbarrow and, you know, and, and, and that's, that's hard,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, you, you, even in combat, you, you, in normal combat throughout history, you don't see the family come and pick up the body and, and carry them off and you don't see what they're doing. You don't follow them for days in their daily life. Mm-hmm. So You know, historically. The physical distance and the cognitive distance were the same. Dropping bombs from 10,000 feet, firing artillery from three miles back, no big deal. You know, as you get closer and closer, it gets harder and harder.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then we've entered this realm of, uh, of the, the remote killing from the drone. And and I tell everybody, it's so important. And this is the big message I think, in a way, is that no pity party, no macho man. You know, don't. Don't cop into a pity party. Oh, this is going to destroy everybody. It's not. The vast majority are made stronger by combat. A new greatest generation arises up. Right? No pity party, but no martial man. If there is a problem, deal with it. Mm-hmm. And there's no shame in that. Mm-hmm. The docs good, they get better every day. The uh, we can treat PTSD, and you can come out the other end stronger.
0: Yeah, it's I think it's important. important. I think that's an important. Um... I don't want to cut you off, but but oh, it's important sorry. to me to talk about that right there is that um, we are getting better. The treatment is stronger, and this is not a life sentence for you. There are There yes. are best practices that are getting better every single day, and yes. it is not a death sentence. So if you are a commander in a service, you should not treat it like it is a death sentence for your Marine soldiers, airmen. This is something that can come back from, and when they do come back from it, they can be, again, a force multiplier inside your unit. But to negatively stigmatize 20 years of combatants because you don't understand the symptomology that's coming with what they're dealing with is, is forever will be a mistake, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. And let me give you an angle on that. Uh, there is so much garbage about our troops in this war. You know, we've all heard 22 veterans a day take their lives and now they they say it's more like 17 a day but but veteran and combat veteran are two different things those in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s we drafted everybody elvis presley was drafted he served two years he got out he was a veteran if elvis was still alive and if he killed himself he'd be one of those 22 veterans a day now every suicide's a tragedy I get a nephew who's a Marine veteran of Iraq who took his life. Uh, every death is a tragedy. But when we talk about those 22 veterans a day, all but one or two are not from this current war. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of them are 70, 80, 90-year-old men who, who who are hitting the end of their life cycle. And, 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 uh, and that's another whole thing you know, to, to talk about. And every suicide's a tragedy, but did you know that? Did you understand that? No, we, but we're, we're, this lie, mm-hmm. they want us to think that it's all from the current war and they're all committing suicide. When the truth is, of, and, and of those 22 a day, and one is one too many, but of, the, of those 22 a day, only one or two are from the current war. Oh, we get it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We got all those Vietnam veterans, but then we got that vast, vast, vast majority of veterans. We never saw combat. Hmm. But when they take their life, they count, you know, that throughout the Cold War, you know, the 40s and 50s, the 60s, the early 70s, they, served, they were drafted, they served two years, they got out, they're veterans.
1: Hmm.
2: And so this lie that, you know, that, that 22 veterans that they take their life, it's a lie of a mission. Hmm. They want you to think it's all from the current war.
1: Hmm.
2: They all have PTSD and they're all committing suicide. No, no, they don't all have PTSD. A minority does. The vast majority are, are, have post-traumatic growth. Mm. And the and the greatest lie of all is that PTSD is untreatable. Mm. You know, it's, it's a lie. Why Why in the face of hundreds of thousands of PTSD cases we treat every year, they're covered fully. Why in the face of ever advancing medical science? Why in the face of the indomitable human spirit? Why would anyone say PTSD is a life sentence. Two reasons. Number one, politics. Mm-hmm. The war is evil and they all are destroyed by the war and they've all got PTSD and they're all damaged goods. Bullshit. Yeah. But
0: they're
2: they're, they're, they're some
0: of the greatest problem. individuals that walk the face.
2: They're a new greatest generation coming home, right? Mm-hmm. But, but but number two, even if you do have a problem, or are darn good at treating it and you come out the other end with post-traumatic growth. Mm. We all know about the greatest generation, that World War II generation. Well, the new greatest generation of rising up, if we don't mess them up. that's you know, right. Nietzsche said, what doesn't kill us only makes us stronger, but Nietzsche stole that from the Bible. You found years for Nietzsche, the Bible says the same thing over and over again. In Romans chapter five, we glory in tribulation, for tribulation worketh patience. Patience, experience, experience, hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Boom. You know, the idea of being stronger from the bad things in life is not a new idea. The pity party, waving the victim card—that's a new idea.
0: I don't even know when it started. It started while we were gone. I—I I have my own theories. Maybe me and you can talk offline on those one yeah, day. Yeah. Um, I want to shift over. I have a couple of—I have a couple of questions um, from some of my viewership, yeah. and the first one—the uh, first one goes like this. What is your biggest critique behind how the military is developing its warfighters for tomorrow's
2: fight? Wow, you know, there's just so many different things. I, uh, I, uh, uh, when I was in, you know, the big thing was uh, we had this, these, these foxholes, and you had a berm in front of you, and you are firing off to the side. You know, and you, you don't fire directly in front of you, you fire at the guy to the side, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's really, it goes all the way back to Michelangelo, and you know, they're they coming straight at you, and, and the guy over here is going to shoot them from the side, and the guy over going to shoot them with the side, but I'm keeping my friend clear. But shooting targets that are moving laterally are the hardest of all targets.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're
2: not training for moving targets. That's just a little example. Uh, you know, the one that comes straight at you is easy to shoot. You know, that's easy. You know, no zero lead up.
0: factor. Yeah, you know, yeah.
2: The one that's running that way—that's a hard target, and mm-hmm. we're not training for that. So yeah, we're all in this formation, but all we train for is pop-up targets. Uh, but but I, I think the the biggest area where we're really failing, and, and there's many many nuts and bolts things like that that I see that trouble me, but uh, is is we're not preparing people for what combat is going to be like and that's my key you know auditory exclusion, slow motion time, tunnel vision mm-hmm, memory mm. gaps, memory distortions uh, well, we're not we're not letting people know those things
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the baseline fundamental the Marine Corps has made my book on combat required reading so that has that data in there uh, you know how could we have had 500 years of gunpowder combat? and not let people know about auditory exclusion.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But
2: even more important is the aftermath dynamic. You re-experience the event, it's not PTSD, it's normal. The goal is separate the memory from the emotions. Big swig of water, big swig of beer, you know, eat as you talk about it, separate the memory from the emotions, and if you can't do it yourself, don't hesitate to get help. Mm-hmm, the docs mm-hmm. are good and they get better every day. So I, you know, what they call me in to do, it stuns me that nobody else is doing that. Mm -hmm. Nobody Mm -hmm. else is saying, here's what happens in combat. Tunnel vision, auditory exclusion, slow motion time.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: By the way, bad guys have tunnel vision too. Lateral movement takes you right off their radar screen. Mm -hmm. I I teach people get explosively off the X. Mm -hmm. You know, if you draw and sidestep, every draw should have a sidestep built into it. Get explosively off the X. The bad guy has tunnel vision too you know at least you're this moving target it becomes orders of magnitude harder to hit mm-hmm. best if they have tunnel vision you're just about bet on it you come right off their radar screen Yep. so all of these things have deeper application when we think about it but even more you expect crazy things in the heat of battle and all those things slow motion time memory gaps memory distortions tunnel vision they meet every definition of a psychotic episode. <laughs> Those things by themselves would scare the daylights out of you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But We expect crazy things in the heat of battle. A week later, a month later, a smell sets it off. A sound sets it off. You re-experience the event and it scares the hell out of you because nobody warned you that was going to happen. That's and right. Nobody taught you what to do. Well, warning it might happen. It's not PTSD normal. What do you do? First and foremost, a big swig of water,
0: big drink of water for sure. And these are things that I read about in your books and then experienced after the fact. And, 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 you know, it was on the, you know, your books were on the reading list the entire time I was in. So it was like one rank I'd read them another rank. I'd read the book again and take a whole different wealth of information away. And then the next, you know, and then I actually, when I, you know, actually get to combat, you know, I had that tack of psychia that, um, slowed down um i called it a flow state i didn't know what else to call it but it was almost as if you know i could take in the battlefield i could take in my troop movement i could take in the enemy situation all in a zip felt slow but it wasn't slow it's very weird um how things auditory exclusion for sure but what's weird is like you did hear i did hear the things i needed to hear um but my mind knew how to separate that out, you know? Wow. And, and and so we are definitely an evolved super predator. Um, but if, like you said, if somebody's not teaching you, or picking it up, showing you what books to, to read, showing you what to know about, then when you go into that, you could really right. start tripping out about about what you're actually experiencing.
2: And you when you go into
0: it with people. the knowledge already, you're able to right. almost harness the and, and leverage it to your ability. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
2: Here's the biggest thing of all. If I could just get one thing for everybody to know, it would be about this global epidemic of sleep deprivation.
0: All right, let's talk about that. Sleep. That was my sleep next segue. a
2: biological blind spot. Mm-hmm. Your body doesn't know how to make you get enough sleep because mm-hmm. it always happened naturally. Every night, without fail, it got dark, and there was nothing to do. Uh, and you can have a little sex, have a little talking, went to sleep. The body didn't have to make you sleep. It happened naturally.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then we invented electric lighting and television and video games and binge watching TV shows. Constant stimulus. Media, mm-hmm. And suddenly we were in the middle of a global epidemic of sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. And most people don't even know this. There is a powerful link between sleep deprivation and suicide.
0: I talk about that uh, a little bit because that's something yeah, that I don't know about.
2: Yeah I mean, I, I was one of the first ones to present at a DOD wide conference of military data that showed A sleep-deprived soldier can be up to five times more likely to take their life.
0: Is this now, inhibition or is this
2: fatigue? No, well, what, what's happening is this When we're sleep-deprived, we become stupid what what happens is you is your uh, your your uh, in intelligence your judgment you have impaired judgment mm-hmm. eighteen hours without sleep and you have impaired judgment equal to .08 blood alcohol legally drunk
1: mm-hmm.
2: twenty four hours without sleep you have impaired judgment equal to .10 above legally drunk two or three nights without sleep. And you are psychotic.
1: Mm-hmm, Any
2: mm-hmm. graduate of Army Ranger School tell about hallucinations on the third day without sleep. Mm-hmm. And so this sleep deprivation, you know, and, and I tell people, my dad started smoking in 1940 when he was five years old. He plunked a nickel on the counter, bought a pack of and tobacco and rolling paper, started smoking at five. Hey, candy rots your teeth, right? Cigarettes <laughs> are good for you. I mean, the cigarette industry had ads that said more doctors smoke camels. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then they said, as your dentist, I recommend viceroys. Well, dentists say viceroys, doctors say camels, which is best? They're poison. They're all poison. They'll kill you. Don't do it. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So (laughs) what I tell people is the video game industry will never say, you've been playing this game for 36 hours, it's time to get some sleep. Right. Facebook will never say, you've been online for 48 hours, it's time to get some sleep. You know, the, the head of Netflix has said their number one competitor is not other sleep. online providers and the one competitor is sleep. The corporate policy of Netflix is to steal your sleep. They're never gonna say, you've been binge watching shows for 24 hours, you've got to get to sleep now, they will never do that. They don't care that they're killing you. Yeah. So one of the best meta studies of suicide says not only is sleep deprivation, a key factor in suicide, is the most remediable factor. If we gave a damn about suicide, if we gave one hoot in hell about suicide, the first thing we deal with is sleep deprivation, we've got to teach sleep management, starting in elementary school, Mm -hmm. we got to teach sleep hygiene. So alcohol, let's stay with suicide for a minute, then we'll cover a few other areas. Sure, sure. Alcohol and suicide have always been closely related. Alcohol creates impaired judgment. You know, under ordinary circumstance, you cannot take your own life. It, it, the, the resistance is so powerful. So you strong. You cannot take your own life. It, you, the, the drive to self-preservation is so powerful that alcohol impairs your judgment, and then you make a bad decision and never get a chance to rethink it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: so alcohol and suicide have always been related but the most pervasive important form of impaired judgment is sleep deprivation and again i've got two nephews who took their life one of them uh, was a very young teenager he locked himself in his room to play the new video game for three days straight, and on the third day he killed himself no note, no trauma no et- why why we look back in retrospect Almost 20 years later, was he sleep deprived? Oh, of course he was. Did he know the risk of sleep deprivation? Did he know that? Oh, no, he had no idea. <laughs> uh, we, sleep deprivation of traffic deaths. Decade after decade, traffic deaths have come down. Airbags, seat belts, medical technology. Now everywhere, traffic deaths are back up. And there's a reason why airline pilots and truck drivers are required to of enough sleep. One of the lowest suicide rates in the armed forces are pilots who have a culture of sleep management, and truck drivers <laughs> who have a culture of sleep management. Hey, you're gonna be on the road tomorrow. Get some sleep, Roger out. But you know, I, I had a, I had a sergeant major tell me, they were deployed, they were doing combat patrols all day, but they were in a barracks, a safe barracks environment at night. He said, I told my troops. It's lights out at 10 o'clock. He said, if I find you up after 10 o'clock playing video games, I'm going to take your video game. He said, these are good troops. They wouldn't disobey an order. But he said, within a week, I had a closet overflowing with video games they could not not play those games mm-hmm. and the games keep you ramped up they keep the adrenaline flow pumping you never get a chance to wind down you never get that chance to relax
1: mm-hmm.
2: but so and, and let's go back to suicide suicide has exploded in every nation around the planet teen suicides have exploded every age group between ages 10 10 11 12 year old teenage girls the suicide rate has tripled per capita in just last decade so I, Here's Parenting 101 for the 21st century. When you send your kid to bed at night, take their cell phone away from them. No yep. laptop in the room, no cell phone in the room. They've got to go to the room and sleep. So a cop came up to me during a break in one of my presentations. He said, I had a good girl. He said she was an A student. She said, Dad, it's embarrassing. You don't have to take my cell phone every night. You can trust me. hmm He said, so I trust her, I'd let her keep her cell phone. He said, a little while later, she took her life. He said, my little girl took her life. And we never knew the hell she was living in.
0: Mm -hmm. Couldn't get away from it, could she?
2: We looked at the text messages on her cell phone. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And it was ceaseless, vicious, bullying
1: Mm -hmm. over
2: her cell phone. Every night, night after night. And you can't just ignore that stuff. We're not wired that way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He said it was heartrending to see her up all night long, night after night, trying to defend herself, trying to find somebody to stand up for herself. He said, I knew my little girl was bullied to death. What I didn't understand until now, she was sleep deprived, mm-hmm. tormented, and bullied to death in front of my eyes, and I let it happen. He said, I can't ignore that text message in the middle of the night. How can we expect our kids to Right. He said, the one thing on earth I could have done for my little girl was take her cell phone every night, let her turn off all the bad stuff in this world. But who's going to be your mommy? Who's going to make you get that sleep? So sleep deprivation, major factor in suicide. That new factor causing an explosion of suicide around the planet. Major factor in traffic deaths. They exploded around the planet. It is a factor in obesity and, heart, and, and, and uh, heart disease. It's a factor in Alzheimer's. People say, uh, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You have a decade of Alzheimer's first, you idiot. So yeah. an online search between sleep deprivation and dementia, boom. Sleep deprivation, Alzheimer's, boom, it'll come right up. Online search about sleep deprivation, suicide, boom, it'll come right up. It's also a key factor in opiate overdoses. Now, why are opiates a drug of choice? Uh, the prescription opiates have always been there. Why are they suddenly the drug of choice? Because sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. You don't sleep, the tendons and muscles never fully relax.
0: Right. You hurt No Roll, reparative but, work being done.
2: Give me a pill to fix it. You don't need a pill, you need more sleep. And here's the other part of the equation a global explosion of caffeine abuse. Hmm. So sleep 101, sleep management. If I just give you two of many, many factors. Number one, cut off all caffeine shortly after lunch. We The half-life of caffeine in your body is five hours. That means the caffeine you took at 5 p.m. is still at half-strength when you go to bed at 10, 10 p.m. O'clock, yeah. It's making you have bad quality sleep. Caffeine doesn't make you not sleep. Caffeine makes it easier to stay awake, and harder to have good quality sleep. Right, you're hurting your sleep. Sleep is that little vacation that waits at the end of every day. (laughs) Guard your sleep, protect your sleep, and caffeine is the enemy of good sleep. And these mega doses of caffeine that we're putting our bodies, you know, for the first. 15 years of the war, we passed out energy drinks like water. Mm-hmm. And then about six, seven years ago, two major Department of Defense-wide studies on the energy drinks said these things are poison. Mm-hmm. And for all practical purposes, there is a ban on issuing energy drinks to US Armed Forces. Uh, the, in an academic environment, the one taking the most energy drinks were the ones with the worst drinks.
1: Mm-hmm. In a
2: tactical environment, the one pounded down the most energies. We're the ones most likely to not off on the job. We're in the middle of this, this, this epidemic of caffeine addiction. Mm-hmm. So taper off, taper off slowly. We got people taking mega doses of energy drinks. They go cold turkey and they go into seizures. I'm talking crap yourself, piss yourself, convulsions, seizures when they go cold turkey on caffeine. It's just to taper off, taper off, taper off slowly. Yeah. But number one, this is caffeine abuse. But number two, it's just the quality of sleep. You may not get one more minute of sleep. You'll get quality sleep if you cut off caffeine shortly after lunch and a completely dark room. Mm-hmm. You're designed to sleep in total darkness. I'm a huge science geek. My favorite website is ScienceDaily.com. And <laughs> major study in the sleep lab. Totally dark room. Bathroom light is on and the door is shut. The light coming under the crack of the bathroom door is enough light to stop your body from producing the melatonin that you need. Melatonin, M-E-L-A-T-O-N-I-N. Melatonin is the neurotransmitter that body produces that allows us to sleep. If you don't sleep in the dark, your body can't produce melatonin. So, combine it with the sleep mask. One of the greatest kiss. My grandson uh, just graduated AIT. I got a grandson in the fight now. My hey. I son, Spec Ops, nine combat tours, ready to retire. I've got a grandson that just started. Got, I sent my grandson off. He had two years of college, and he, he, uh, he joined the Guard. I sent him off to college. He's heard my class many times, he's helped me with my class. What's the thing most likely to kill my grandson? Sweet. Suicide, traffic deaths and opiate overdoses. What's the one thing I can do to help preserve his safety? Sleep management. And 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 his his was several different kinds of sleep masks. There you go. And uh, and see which one works. I'm talking. Are you using your sleep mask? Yes, sir. Are you getting enough sleep? Yes, sir. That's the critical piece of information. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's one sleep mask on Amazon that has over 60 thousand reviews for a stinking sleep mask wow but that's how people feel about it when they start using that sleep mask they they want to give feedback they want to talk about how important it was absolutely the, the only negative ones are the people big honking noses that can't completely shut out the light well doing little clipping adjust it get another kind see which one works for you my yep. wife likes one that's weighted it's got like this sand it's mm-hmm. that she likes my grandson's got this just this big felt piece that goes all around the head. I like the one that's got sixty thousand reviews, it keeps pressure <laughs> off the eyes, it feels all the way around. Nice. But sleep in the dark. Teach your children to sleep in the dark and combine it with a sleep mask. And mm-hmm. I mean, I mean a good one. Get two or three. You know, when you get the better ones at 20, 30, 40 bucks, that's nothing compared yeah. to your health. You may not get one more minute of sleep. You got quality sleep if you do it in the dark and just those two. I and mean, there's so much more, no more than one drink on the way to bed. There are so many people using alcohol to put themselves to yeah. sleep. It's so counterproductive. Yeah. Uh, if you need help going to sleep. There's so many things we can do. Don't use alcohol. No more than one drink on the way to bed. Uh, you know, it, the sleep mask makes me sweaty. That's good because you're supposed to bring it the temperature down do it in the dark and drop the thermostat a couple of degrees and and the combination is powerful with that sleep mask you know don't touch the snooze alarm those are those are doing actual harm to your life you know the first decision of every day is to surrender my body and hit the snooze alarm is first decision of every day to get the hell out of bed am i in charge of my body my body in charge of me yep. set your alarm for 10 alarm six o'clock 601 602 603 604 by the time you turn them all off, you're up. Yep. And you that gets up in the morning has got to get you, yeah, the you that goes to bed at night has got to make you get up in the morning, get the hell out of bed. <laughs> so, it, you know, sleep is the one area that we should be teaching in, starting in elementary school, yep. about the need to sleep in a dark room. And, uh, and you know, there's so many things that we could be we could be applying, but that's my great issue above and all else, suicide, traffic deaths, opiate overdoses, heart disease, uh, 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 obesity. There's a powerful link between sleep deprivation and obesity. You want to watch your weight? Watch your sleep. Mm. All of these things are happening, and nobody is connecting the dots because they want you to keep watching their game. That's right. They want you to keep playing their game. They want you to keep on social media. They're never going to tell you. It's the racket. Yeah, and they want your children. The most evil thing about this is selling it to children. I wrote a book on the what's happening with the video games, the violence, uh, assassination generation. Uh, in 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 two thousand and uh, in two thousand and five, the data was so overwhelming. The state of California overwhelmingly voted to regulate children's access to violent video games. The data mm-hmm. was that smart. Homa Hollywood, Homa Silicon Valley, overwhelmingly voted. These are things that adults can do, but kids can't, the violent video games. The video game industry fought all the way to the Supreme Court. They said we have a constitutional First Amendment right that sell any game to any kid at any age. They conned seven old men, seven Supreme Court justices, probably never played pong in their life, (laughs) overturned the California law. People don't even know that. So this industry, is fighting tooth and nail not just to steal your sleep but to steal the sleep of your children Mm
0: -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. and they don't care that they're killing children they don't care that they're a factor they just they just censor that data
0: Yeah, as long as they make their bottom line right
2: boom Mm -hmm. and and, and like selling tobacco to my my dad when he was five years old you know Uh, 55 years later those cigarettes finally killed him but sleep deprivation is going to kill you right now yeah the suicide's going to kill you right now. Traffic checks kill you right now. You know, and, and opiate overdoses are killing people right now.
1: Yeah,
2: this isn't happening 50 years in the future. This is happening right stinking now by a corporate predator who fights tooth and nail to sell this product to children. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know. And so we got to get the word out. That's the one thing above all else. If we were talking about emotional wellness, mental wellness, sleep is a weapon. We we gotta we've we've got to we've got to weaponize sleep and use it in our daily battle to, to master our environment to to master the the challenges that we've been given. Yes,
0: sir. Yes, sir. Well, there you got it, guys. If you're not sleeping right, or if you need need to work on your sleep, there's a wealth of uh, knowledge coming at you right there. Um, cool. Well, sir, I have one more question, and then sure. uh, and then I think uh, you. You're helping me out a lot. I'm learning a lot today. So um, um, if you were, when you speak to your law enforcement community um, in regard uh, regarding um, uh, dicey stops, um, bad situations, what's the number one piece of adv- advice you give them?
2: Well, you know, that the, the number one is the heart of de-escalation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The heart of calming somebody else down is to be calm yourself. Hmm. And that comes from training and confidence. If, if 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 you know you're a bad shot and you're no good with a gun and you barely got through the academy with lots and lots of help, then you're going to live your life in fear mm-hmm. of having to go to the gun because mm-hmm. you know you're no good. Mm-hmm. But if you know you're good, then there's confidence. And, and and you're less likely to have to shoot because of that confidence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You will de-escalate. you will be calm, you will make calm, rational decisions. What, what lies at the heart of the matter is is preparing for combat. And your department will never give you all the training you need. You need to do some stuff on your own. Mm-hmm. The primary thing I talk about is about uh, is, is about finding a hobby finding an activity, hopefully something you can do with your family that will contribute to your skills. Sure, yep. And, and at the top of that list is hunting. Now, you talked about hunting when you were a kid. You mm-hmm. talked about, you know, what a family activity to do. We're in the woods, the wellness of being in the woods. We're part of nature. We're part of, we're, we're of the cycle of life and death. We're out there immersed in it it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. and powerful thing uh martial arts every cop should be involved in some kind of martial arts do it with your family do it together what a great activity you can do hunting martial arts those are the kind of examples of the things we can do together but it all comes back to your skills and your confidence if i go Mm -hmm. hand to hand am i confident in my skills well the martial art provides that they have to go for my gun you know and I I like hujutsu the martial of the firearm hoj Hotel Oscar Julian, put J-U-T-S-U Hujitsu sure, yeah. martial art of the firearm I love it yeah I, I love the martial arts the uh, but shooting is the American martial art yeah yeah you know, we we are are the people of the gun and we are the ones who introduced gunfighting and everything that has to do with like with shooting as a martial art came from America. This is our martial art. An amazing guy by the name of Jeff Hall, a, a ranger in Vietnam, right at the end of the war, just few years older than me,
1: the
2: mm. uh, most decorated Alaska state trooper, high level mas- uh, uh, martial artists, multiple styles, has resurrected the Japanese art of the firearm. And so shooting as a martial art is so powerful and, and Look mm-hmm. at things happening around our nation. So, so develop your shooting skills. Develop your hunting skills. Develop your martial arts. Have a hobby uh, that will that will reinforce your survival values. Yes, sir. It, it ties into everything you do, with that confidence and that calm. And FBI studies of people who murder cops—they're hunting for cops. They mm-hmm. see somebody looking sharp, standing tall, got a marksmanship badge on there's a ah, pass on this guy they're waiting for hard the target versus in,
0: soft target yeah that
2: and uh, you know they're, they're, they're looking for that so to just have that confidence they can mm-hmm. see it they back off from it they're looking they're, they're they're looking for soft trade they're not looking for a fight
0: that's right and, and what would you say to to people in the leo community though that feel like they don't get enough training on the job and you said you got to do some stuff by yourself i know i have many uh law enforcement members in my family extended family Uh, my little brother uh is in law enforcement and they don't have always got the budget and they don't always have the resources so he makes sure it, you know, it's it, it's part of his collateral duty to ensure that he's going and shooting and he's going and shooting from a holster. I mean, a lot of people say go shooting, but it's not just go shooting. It's, you know, go shooting like you would anticipate being in a gunfight. You should be drawing, you should be doing multiple positions, things of that nature. And And, and, and what do you say to that? I mean, is that just the yeah. answer is that you need to put in your own time? Exactly. Will it never be a resource? You know,
2: when, I, when I teach chiefs and I teach sheriffs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know LAPD. Last I heard, LAPD still has a bonus for qualifying expert. Oh wow! And and it's like it, it adds up to like like three four hundred bucks a year. Uh, back in the fifties, that was a lot of money, but it's yeah, still yeah. a lot of money. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I tell my chiefs and sheriffs, roll the next pay raise into a marksmanship bonus. And, and and getting, you know, getting that markmanship bonus, you know, December 1st of every year uh, it's be an enormous boom and mm-hmm. have the range open on the weekends and have ammo available. And if there's a reward, you know, that that markmanship bonus competition and, and breeds results. Is, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom. You, mm-hmm. you provide them the opportunity to train. You provide them the incentive to train. Boom. They're going to be there. They're going to do it
0: yeah and it's, then then that reinforces the confidence that you speak of and yes, now you're not yes, dreading going to the gun it's yes, like okay if i need yes, to go there i can go there yes, yeah
2: and that means it's less likely to happen. yep you know the, the one that lives their life in fear the predator will push them they will they will feed on that the one that's absolutely confident that i don't want to go to the gun but i'm ready and, yeah. and, and i've waited all my life for this and if you're the one Bring it on! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm that. the
0: one your mama told you about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. That well, that's awesome. Well mr dave grossman everybody i know it's uh dirt down and dirty we've been going for about an hour and a half now and i don't want to take too much more of uh of your time sir but i appreciate you coming back on and i will i will be in contact um you know after after we get offline here i want to reach out and and uh and give you my my appreciation for for being on here again but um i really appreciate you i really appreciate your work over the years and uh, and what you've given back to you know not only the law enforcement and military communities but their families as a way of um, those you know those family members that are that are doing their due diligence to understand their uh, their spouses or their children after a time of war these are great books to pick up and kind of understand the psyche uh, that goes behind you know pulling the trigger and uh, and uh, putting people down so. Um, Again, I appreciate it. Long time hero mine, and, uh, and uh, I hope you continue to do good work, and uh, and God bless you, sir.
2: And you, my brother. You know, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so it is one individual uplifting up. It's a two way street. That's and right. Iron sharpens iron, brother. It's an enormous event. My, my website is grossmanontruth.com. You have the truth on killing, the truth on combat, the truth on hunting. grossmanontruth.com. All the books are there, and uh, we'll try to on um, uh, Facebook and LinkedIn, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Yep. When this show's ready to post, we'll put the word out to the, to them and uh, have a chance to uh, to give your your little boost and opportunity for us to uh, to to work together to iron sharpens iron. So God bless you and uh, Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year to you and yours, my brother.
0: Hey, Merry Christmas to you Sue, sir. I appreciate you. Okay. Until next time, guys. Choices, not chances. Well, that concludes this episode. Thanks for listening to Choices Not Chances podcast. Please share, like, and subscribe wherever you listen or watch our podcast. You can also follow us on social media at Choices Not Chances podcast. Thanks and have a great day. Louisiana Gun Shop, your firearm headquarters. Specializing in concealed carry guns, ammo, and training. You can get your Louisiana permit with us. Also, a large selection of AR-15s, or if you are that build-it-yourself type of guy or gal, we have all the parts to build and customize your own AR-15. Glock, SIG, Taurus, Ruger, we have all the brands both in the store or at louisianagunshop.com. Not too far. You're marking the building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's money. Ah, money.